Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Yeah, go ahead and give that to the Lord. He's worthy. We know that. He's worthy to be praised. So how many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Can, uh, can any of you all feel his presence in here? It's, you know, it's just another day. Uh, I do feel like um, God has kind of laid something on my heart. I really don't know how it's going to go, who it's for. Um, I don't know if this is... Uh, as we sometimes say, if this is for someone on podcast or if this is for somebody here. But I do feel like God has kind of laid something on my heart. But uh, I want to give honor to the ministry that we have here. They are great men of God for me to look up to. I am young. I am new in this. Uh, younger, Much younger than them, I would say. But not in, I wouldn't base it on age, I'm saying in. <laughs> uh, just in experience. Experience, not age. Um, but they are definitely people that I can look up to. We've got Bishop who I can look up to because he's always going to come in here. It doesn't matter if you've been here one time or a thousand times. He's going to hug you and he's going to talk to you. He's going to shake your hand and he's going to love you just like the first day. And that's somebody I wish I could model myself after. But unfortunately, even though I am kind of an extrovert, I do find it hard to go up to new people and just say, hey, I love you. You're awesome. And just do that. It is. It does take a special kind of person to do that. But I definitely look up to Bishop for always being able to do that. And maybe one day I can be like that. Maybe one day I can fill those shoes because we will need somebody one day. We will. I want to give honor to, of course, my youth pastor. He's not youth pastor anymore, but uh, Brother Mason. As you can see, he's filling in in a different role tonight uh, because he's experiencing things with his sinuses and stuff that he's not, he wouldn't be able to sing behind the keyboard like he feels that he could. So instead of just sitting out there on a pew or sitting over here in a chair, he fills a different role. And he doesn't just stay seated. He doesn't just sit back and say, all right, somebody else can handle it. He's going to step up and he's going to fill in even if it's in a different role. And I know that if he is unable to be here, it is just because he just cannot stand. He just And you'll see him leaning on a wall a time or two because the vertigo in these uh, seasons are just changing and they're really just messing with him. And uh, I definitely commend him for that, for being an example that even though you, you're sick and you're ill, you can still be here. And he's going to as much as he can be. And, of course, i got to give honor to my pastor who is going to fulfill the will of God no matter what obstacles it throws at him. They just came back from a prison ministry over the weekend. And more and more, he's taken more and more of these trips. Of course, his wife with him. But... He's one of those that if God opens up a door, he's going to walk through it. I know that if you guys are like me, that you're going to find that difficult. Because you've got your own lives to live. You've got your own situations. And we can come up with a, a thousand excuses with why, God, we just can't do that this weekend. We just can't fill into that role. We can't go to that uh, trip because it's too expensive or whatever reason. But, but our pastor, he is being an example because if God is opening up a door... He's going to put his faith and he's going to trust in him that he's going to provide, whether it's financially, whether it's a means of travel, means of, means of transportation, because we know that sometimes he has trouble with his transportation when it comes to those. 
but God is going to provide for him. And, and I got to give honor to them because these are the men that I get to look up to and that I get to model my life after. And hopefully I get to live up to that, to their expectation. I got to give honor to my wife and my son who uh, continually love me each and every day through my flaws, continue to uh, be there with me, give me my time to, to study because I am a kind of a procrastinator. And, and although I will get time and it's just here and there and but that's just my personality. I mean, you're right. It's, it's just what it is, but she still gives me that time, and, and sometimes I got to get in fifth gear, Brother Mason, and, and just double down, and I just got to get in that mode, throw my headphones in, and can't listen to anything else because I will get distracted. But, but that's what, that's, those are the people that I want to give honor to, and of course I want to give honor to you guys. Without you guys, there's no reason for me to be here. There's no reason for me to get up here, for me to prepare, for me to study, for me to pray. Well, for this, I mean, of course, there's always going to be a means to pray whether you're here or not, but there's no need for that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a reason for it. But I want to thank you guys for loving me and for being here and for listening to me. Because as my wife knows, sometimes my stories can go on and on and on. And with her squirrel attitude, sometimes that's a little, little difficult, but, but we manage. But... Well, I got you guys standing. We're going to go to a class, Ecclesiastes 9 and 11. Start off with a little bit of scripture, and then we're going to dive into the word. Ecclesiastes 9 and 11 says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. Of course, the key words that stick out to me, I don't ever want to just pick and choose out of a scripture. If I'm going to choose a scripture for something that it has to say, I'm going to give you the whole scripture and kind of let you know what it is I'm leaning on in that scripture. And what I'm leaning on in this is that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong. As we focus in on these words, I want to minister along these lines, because I don't know what God has in store. I'm going to say minister because I don't say that I'm going to preach, I don't say I'm going to teach, I'm going to do whatever it is, but I want to minister along these lines, just hold on. Just hold on. Can you go to prayer with me right now? I need God's help. God, I need you tonight, God. Lord, I pray, God, Lord, that these words, Lord, that I pin down, God, Lord, that you would help me, God. Lord, to speak, God, what you would have me say, God. Lord, these words that you've given me, God, Lord, I pray, God, that they're your words, God, they're going to come through my voice, pray, God, Lord, that it be your words being spoken unto these people, God. Lord, words that they need to hear this evening, God, Lord, and we'll give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. Okay, like I said, I feel like God has given me something tonight. Um, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know how it's going to go or how it's going to flow. But uh, if I would just use, as Pastor would say sometimes, just walk with me. We're going we're gonna to try and get through this and try and walk through this because I feel like God's laid something on my heart for somebody here tonight. Somebody going through something in their life that they just need to hear something from God. That they just need to hold on. Things are going to happen in life and things are going to go wrong, but, but we need to hold on. So I think oftentimes we want things to happen in our lives that, and we want them to happen when? and how we expected them to happen, right? When we, when we think of a situation or a scenario in our life, when we're praying to God, 
we've got a specific situation, and we probably got it planned out just how we want it to happen, too. Right? We, we're, we're people that like to plan. Some of us, of course, like me, are procrastinators, but, but we still like to plan somewhat. And then, of course, what we plan, we want it to play out just the way that we planned. But what we must understand is that God is in control and that we must trust him. So it doesn't matter what we have planned out in our mind because more often than not, what we have planned out in our mind and, and what we've envisioned in the end is probably not the result that we're going to get. But we have to have an understanding and a trust that God knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what we need and when we need it. Whether we would like to admit that or not, whether we uh, want to uh, be okay with that, God knows exactly what we need and when we need it. So we know the Bible is just full of people that's just like you and me. And if we get on that level, if we get focused in that these, this, this Bible, that this book that we pick up is not just like your, your next, that novel that you pick up that is full of fictional characters and people that are just made up. If you get in the mindset that it is somebody that once sat on a pew, if it's somebody that once lived and moved and walked and breathed just like us, it's going to help you kind of get in the mindset and everything that they just went through in their life and everything that they've been through. And it's going to help you get on a level that you wouldn't be able to get onto otherwise. When you're reading a fictional story, you can kind of get into it and you can kind of imagine yourself in their situation, depending if the author was really good at detail and stuff. But, but when we get into realizing that these are real life people, we can understand that they lived real lives, that they experienced things like we experienced. They experienced hunger or hanger sometimes, you know, sadness, joy, excitement, doubt, fear. All of these emotions are things that these people, these, these characters or these people in the Bible, these are emotions that they all felt. And you can relate to them because you feel them. Some of you right now are going through probably each and every emotion that I said. Whether, you, whether it's down on the surface and you're, you've got a mask on, or whatever it is, everyone's going through these emotions. You're going through joy. You're going through excitement. You're going through doubt. You're going through fear. You're going through all of these. And some of you are probably hunger, hungry right now or hangry. We will get to that point maybe, depending on how it goes tonight. But, uh, but all of us are human, and we go through these emotions. That's how God created us. But the difference we know, but the difference between us and them is that we know the end of their story. If you continue to read about the characters, you know how their lives play out. You kind of know the end of their story. You know what they experienced and, and that maybe they were an overcomer and that they made it through every situation. But, but what we don't know is that we can't see our end. We can't see what's going to take place and how we get there. So sometimes that's hard for us to relate because we can say, oh, well, well they, we know how their life ends. We know what they went through, and of course they had faith because look at what happened to them at the end. Look at Job. We know, of course, he kept his faith. Well, look at what happened. He got greater than he ever had in the beginning at the end because of his faith. But, but we don't pay attention to what he went through leading up to that. We don't pay attention. We don't stop in the middle of his life when he lost every single thing that he had. All of his kids, all of his cattle, all of his animals, all of that stuff. We don't pay attention to that because we read till the end and we know that his end was better than the beginning. And that's where we get mixed up. So let's think about Abraham and Sarah for a minute. For a minute. Genesis 15 and 5 says, And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell, and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. So basically, he's telling Abraham to look. 
Go ahead, count the stars. Look it up, all of them. If you guys have ever been out night on a clear, starry night, you saw all the stars. You probably pictured the Big Dipper, the Little Dipper, tried to figure out Orion's belt, all these constellations that we've grown to know uh, growing up. And, and there's so many of them. I couldn't imagine. And those are just the ones that we can see. And those are the ones that are the brightest. If you know anything about science, and you'll know that if you get a powerful telescope, there's ones far beyond the ones that we can even see on a clear night. So Abraham looked up and he couldn't, he couldn't even number all of them because he can't even see the ones that are past the ones that he can see. And God tells him that this is going to be your seed. This is what your legacy is going to be. This is what your generation is going to be. Is these number of stars, is these number of people, that's what I'm going to create in you. So fast forward to Abraham and Sarah. They have been married for a while, but they have no children. Man. God just told him that he's going to have uh, as many as he could see in the stars, as many seed, as many children, as many family members as he could see in the stars, but he has no kids yet. And, of course, we know in that time that that was what they strived to do. That was what their calling was to be, was to the women were to be childbearers, and that's what they wanted to do. Their hope was to give their husband a, a, a son, even more so, they wanted to give them because they wanted to keep the name going. They wanted to keep the legacy going. But we've come to find out as we continue to read about Abraham and Sarah that Sarah was barren. What does barren mean? Barren mean that she, means that she is unable to have children no matter what she wanted. This was not, she was not a choice to be barren as, as some of us in nowadays with birth control and all that stuff. This was not her choice. She wanted to have children. She wanted to bear sons unto Abraham because she knew what his calling was. We read in Genesis 17 how God had appeared unto Abraham and began to tell him how he was going to make him a great nation. Now, when God appeared under Abraham in Genesis 17, Abraham was 99 years old at this point. Say, that's old. <laughs> that's old. Even, even for Abraham, that was an old age. We know that there's characters in the Bible that lived to be 900 and some years old, 800 and some years old. But in the time of Abraham, 90, they, they weren't living that long. So 99 was an old age for Abraham. But at this point, so of course Genesis, Genesis 17 is telling him, that he's going to have a great nation. God's telling him he's going to have a great nation. He's 99 years old, and up to this point, him and Sarah still have no children. 99 years old, still no children, but he's going to have a great nation. Come on. Is, is he really? He has to hold on, right? This is what God's telling him to do. God is, God is working with him. So can you imagine the strain that this probably put on their marriage? Think about it nowadays, right? We know that... Uh, Sometimes, nowadays, if, if a couple cannot have children, and that's what they're longing for, it will cause and might end in divorce if they can't work it out. Because this is such a big thing, not just for their generation, but for ours. So could you imagine the strain that it put on their marriage? Could you imagine the doubt and fear and things that they went through? The arguments that may, they may have had in their household? The, the, how Sarah maybe felt like she was just not enough because she was unable to provide for her husband? How much she was less of a woman? So Abraham was probably at this point even questioning, well, is Sarah even the one I was supposed to be married to? Was this even the one I was supposed to be with, God? You've called me to have a great nation. You've called me to this calling. She is not providing what, what the means for this calling. Is this really who I'm even supposed to be with? Do I need to cut ties, pick up somebody else, and go from there? 
That's what we would be thinking, right? That's what our mind would. Okay, God's got a calling for me. It hasn't happened yet. I'm starting to get, I'm 99 years old, and I still have not received this calling. I know that the end of my life is coming soon or within so many years. Uh, okay, do I need to cut ties, move on? Because, God, you've called me to this. What's the deal here? So at this point, Sarah began uh, to come to terms with the fact that she would never be able to give Abraham a son. I would imagine she's finally said, okay, it's been this long. I know we've tried how many ever times. I'm barren. I'm just not able to do it. I cannot do it. So she's just finally come to terms. Though she may have experienced things like depression. She may have experienced things like seclusion. She may have uh, cut herself off from her husband and just decided, hey, you know what? It's not even worth it anymore. I can't even do it anymore. And she just probably didn't even want to be in his presence at this point because she was so upset because this is what as we said this is what women were called to do this is how women fulfilled their role they they helped raise the children but they weren't they were the ones that provided the children so Sarah knows that the calling is on Abraham's life she knows they had to have discussions among their marriage from from time to time and Abram had to say you know what God spoke to me and and you know we're gonna have a great nation and he had to be on those days especially when God talked to him he had to be on some sort of high could you imagine whenever you do you know when you guys got the Holy Ghost, what it felt like, how excited you were went you you were and you were excited to tell everyone you could about it? Well, imagine God speaking to you just like He was to them and telling them, "Okay, I've got this." He's gonna tell her and He's gonna tell her what He found out, and so she knows His calling. She knows what He's been called to do, but she knows that for some reason she is unable to do that. She doesn't know why God has cursed her womb. She doesn't know why she cannot provide him and help him with this calling. So what does she do? She knows that that's not God's will. So what does she do? She offers up Hagar. Right? She offers up Hagar. She had a handmaid, and she's like, all right, well, I can't fulfill the will. I can't provide the son, the children that you are going to have for this generation or these multiple generation, these stars as you would have them. I'm not going to be able to provide that for you, so I've got a handmaid. Go ahead and take Hagar, and she will be able to provide you with the son that I can't. But we know that that wasn't God's will for them because, because we know the end. We know the end of the story. We, not, we didn't stop at the beginning. God, God just didn't tell us part of their life. They just didn't lead us up to 99 years and cut us off. We know the end. We know that that was not God's will for them, for, for Sarah to give up Hagar and be like, all right, you fulfill my destiny. You fulfill my will because I cannot. So you just step in and take God's blessings. You step in and do this because for some reason, for some reason I cannot. But they were worried about the timetable. They were worried about their own timetable and not God's. Because he was 99 years old, didn't have any children with her, said, I know he hadn't got any more years yet, so we've got to do something. So they stopped worrying about God's timetable and stopped worrying about God's callings and God's word that he said to them and said, Hagar, go in and do this. We're going we're to take care of this ourselves. We're going to worry about this ourselves. So, so God, you know, he, he told us one thing, but for some reason he's not coming through. For some reason something's happening between then and now that, that, that we're not getting our calling that he said. So they step in and they, and they, they act like God. They, they take matters into their own hand. 
So we know, as a matter of fact, that uh, she overheard conversations uh, where Abraham was told uh, that Sarah would bear a son. That she laughed within herself. She had given up on the fact that she would have children. So much so that when God was speaking to Abraham about her having a son, she laughed. She laughed. What, did, what, what was the reason for laughter? Why would she laugh in her, at herself? Why would she laugh within herself? Because she did not believe it. She thought she was too old. Because she took matters in her own hands. She was worried about everything that she had seen going on in her life, all of her own personal experiences, and not worrying about what God can do. But what she failed to understand was the power of God. She was looking at her situation as though it was finished. She says, I'm old, I'm well stricken with age, I'm far past the opportunity to be able to even bear children. She said, it just cannot happen. It's just not a thing that could even happen. I couldn't have them when I was in my prime. Now I'm even past that, and I cannot have them. She thought she was finished. But we know that God does eventually open up her womb and does give them the child that she always wanted. But what we have to understand is, although we may not understand God's timing, we must hold on and trust that he knows what he's doing. We have to. We can't be like Sarah. Because God has told Abraham from the beginning, I'm going to make you a great nation. And because times and trials and, and mishaps and things just not going how they planned, she gave up. And I would dare say that Abraham gave up as well. Even though he was the one being spoken to about his calling. Why did he give up? Because he agreed to go into Hagar. He agreed to bring her in and, and try and, and create this generation through the handmaid. He agreed to all of this. That's why I think that he gave up. And he didn't just hold on. This is why we have to hold on. This is why we have to. Because God has got a timing for us. He's got, he's got stuff for us to do in our life. But, but in our own mind, we think that the time is just not right. We think that it's... This just isn't the time. This isn't the right timing. It should have happened by now. And if it hasn't by now, I've got to start taking matters into my own hands. Because if I don't take matters into my own hands, it's never going to happen. And that's not true. That's not true. We have to trust and believe in God. What about if you take the life of Noah? Many of them know him, right? He was a normal man just living life the best that he could. We know that he was living a holy life. Why? Because God uh, ended up choosing him. Because we know, why? Because we know his story. We know his beginning and we know his ending. So we know why. We know that he, we can interpret some things out of this. We can know that he was living a holy life because God ends up choosing him. So we know that he was living a holy life even though he was surrounded by so much wickedness and temptation. Right? God's not going to destroy a generation because they're all holy and righteous, right? He's not, he's not just going to do that. This was Noah. He was living among a wicked generation, a people who failed to worry about what God wanted and worried about what they wanted, an entire generation, not just a few people living among them. It was an entire generation that God said that he was only going to save Noah and his family. Could you imagine how much wickedness that was? If we read about Sodom and Gomorrah, when he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, 
He was going to spare the city if there was only t- if there was ten good people in there. That was just a city. Could you imagine that he's, he would probably save the entire world if he could find at least 10 or if he could find at least 20, you know? Uh, but he couldn't even do that. There was so much wickedness. There was so many people giving it. So could you imagine what it would be like to be in uh, Noah's shoes? Could you? No. Why not? It would be tough. It would be tough. Look, at, look around. Just look around at everybody that's in here. That's more than just Noah and his family. So these are people that we can relate to. These are people that believe the same thing that we do. Noah did not have that. Noah was living amongst people that maybe maybe me and Pastor and Brother Mason and Bishop are the only ones that want to live right. And all you guys are trying to influence us the other way. That's Noah's situation. That would be difficult. How hard would it be? I couldn't imagine. Can you imagine how much he was made fun of for being different? The ridicule that he had for not giving in to peer pressure when everyone else was? Man, that's tough. I couldn't do it, right? So I know myself and my personality. I'm talking about myself here. I would have found it very, very difficult. Let's be honest, right? I would have found it very, very difficult because I am sure that he was hearing every day, it's not that bad. You can try it. It's not that bad. It's not going to kill you. God's not going to care if you do. Right? It's not going to kill you. Why? Why would I think that these people were saying this? Because it happened in the Garden of Eden. It happened when the very first two people. So why would it happen there but not happen now? Why would it happen to Adam and Eve when they knew no sin? Why would it happen there but not happen here? We know that the devil has powerful influences. We know that he can manipulate us and he can say words that just, just tweak the right part in our brain to make us say, you know what, it might not be that bad. It might be okay. We live in a generation that uh, it's okay to do whatever we want Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, as long as on Sunday we get up and we, uh, we get to church. We make it right. We say hallelujah, we lift our hands, we praise and we worship. We say the occasional prayer. But it's okay to make mistakes. Why? Because that's what we see. That's what we're surrounded by. Not even, it's not even just people doing whatever they want. It's our laws now that are telling us that wickedness and sin is okay. That's our laws. That's people telling us that it's okay. So could you imagine to be in Noah's Noah's day? It's because the people and devil can be very, very, very convincing. They can manipulate, they can say words, just what you want to hear. But Noah did not cave. He continues to live his life for God. And we know uh, that God calls him to build an ark to save his family and eventually repopulate the earth. And then he makes the promise that he's never going to destroy the earth with the flood again. That's why on our rainy days we get to see a beautiful rainbow. And realize that that's God's promise. Although sometimes we don't focus that that's actually God. That that wasn't a promise from God. That that's not a symbol from God still talking to us this day. We get caught up in our own lives and we're like, oh, well, that's pretty. That's awesome. And what has the world done with that pretty, awesome thing? It's representing evil and wickedness that we don't partake of because that's not what it was meant to do. But that's what this world is telling us. It's okay. It's okay if we put that up there and, 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 and say that this is okay because, because it's okay. God wouldn't want you to not be happy. God made you that way. 
You can't, you can't help who you love. It's a spirit. No matter how much the world wants to tell you that it's okay, you have to understand that God has called you, God has given you His Word, God has given you something that is not to be tampered with. This Word says that it's not okay. You can read it. He destroyed an entire city. He destroyed an entire generation for believing that it was okay, that it's not going to hurt you. But Noah, through the building process, I, you've got to believe that he was ridiculed. You've got to believe that he was called crazy, that he was made fun of. And I guarantee there, there has to be, because he's human. There was days that he had doubt, days that he was worrying, and he was questioning everything that he was doing. Because, well, God, really? So these are the people that you created. These are the people that... You want to love you and to worship you and to praise you and to honor you, but, but you're, you're meaning to tell me that i got to build this boat and that nobody's able to come on but me and my family. So you're going to destroy the thing that you created. And he had to have those fears and doubts. So how many of you just wanted to give up when you were facing what seemed to be like the end? How many of you thought it would be easier just to give up. You know what? I'm tired of getting made fun of at work for wearing a skirt when everybody else is wearing pants. I'm tired of wearing shorts on these 100 degree, or tired of wearing pants on these 100 degree days. Man, I wish I could just break out my cargo shorts, you know. And people's like, why don't you just go ahead and put on those shorts? Why don't you put on that tank top? You know, sun's out, gun's out, right? Why don't you just go ahead and do that? Because you know it's hot. It's got to be hot in those pants. It's got to be hot in that shirt. It's got to be, right? How many of you would just, it would just be easier just to give up? That's what the world tells you. God's not going to send you to hell because you just flash a little leg. Do you want to find out the hard way? Do you want to find out when it's really hot? I mean, come on. Come on. I mean, it's just small things like that. That if we just give up now, we're not going to understand what the, war, what the reward is at the end. Because though you think it's hot on these 100-degree days, I think it's a little hotter in hell. I think, I think it's a little hotter. And I really don't want to go there because I decided I wanted to wear a pair of cargo shorts, okay? They're not that fashionable anyway. So, so how easy would it be to not be different and to just go with the crowd? How easy? It would be so easy to just say, all right, let's go. Because... Because here on earth, see, this is, where, this is where I was saying that we get caught up in what, they, what we see here and what we're living. Because we know their end. We know what they went through. We know how they, that they went ahead and made it. We, we don't get all the gory parts where they were made fun of, where they were ridiculed. And we don't get to see all of that. But we think what, we're, what we experience, we're the only ones experiencing it. And we think that it only applies to us and that, and that we're the only ones that cannot take it. And that it's just easier for us to just give up. So oftentimes we focus on what is going on in the moment and we forget about what waits for us if we would just endure. Because that's how our vision is. I'm not worried about the distance, it's what's right in front of me. We get focused on what's right in front of us because, because that's what we see. 
We can't see the distance. We can't see what's out there. We can't see our reward in the end. We can't see if we end up in heaven or hell. We can't see all that. We can't see if making our little mistake today affects us in the eternal. We can't see that. That's why we have repentance. That's why we have baptism. That's why we have the Holy Ghost. Because we can't see all of that. Hallelujah. Yes. But God has plans for us. And he always has. He knows that we are not perfect and he doesn't expect us to be. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. So what is he saying there? He's saying that I've already had these thoughts. I know and I've got these plans all made out for you. All you have to do is walk this path that I laid down before you. I will open up doors that you need to walk in. I'm going to close doors that you need to stay away from. If you would just listen to my word and hearken unto my voice, I will make a way for you. You have to listen to me. I will make a way. God knows more about us than we know about ourselves. God knows more about us than we know about ourselves. Some of you have been sick for a while now. Sick in your body, sick with just whatever the devil wants to throw at you. Depression, just doubts and fears and, and diabetes. And, and I can relate because my wife is dealing with this autoimmune disease that is affecting her. Right now it's hard for her to get around because her feet are killing her because this autoimmune disease is affecting her body. And she's been sick for a while now, and, and, and the bills are coming in because we have to deal with different medicines, and she's got to go to these different doctors and these specialists. And we know that God has got a plan for us, but it's hard for us to see it right now because all we see right now is pain, and we see trials, and we see bills, and we see all these things coming at us right now. But you've been sick for a while now. And I know that you've had many conversations with God about it. This isn't something that you finally just decided, I'm just going to do it by myself. You've gotten to the point where you said, okay, I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to get this checked out. I'm going to go and see if this medical doctor can help me out with some medicine. But whenever all of that started not helping as much, whenever that started not working as fault, you finally decided, well, maybe I will go to my knees in prayer. Maybe I will seek God because I need a healing. I need a miracle. I need something to go on my life because... These medical doctors just can't do it anymore. This medicine that they're giving me is just not working anymore. My body is, is growing immune to this dosage that they used to give me. I've got to take more and more and more. But, but God is saying, trust in me. You have to hold on. Though you may not receive your healing right now. Though you may not receive your healing while you're on this earth. There is a reward that is waiting for you if, if you endure if you endure, if we finally decide to just throw in the towel and say, I'm done, I've had enough, this pain is just too much, I quit. You will not see your reward. You will not see the pain that you're going through. You will not see the trials and the temptation and the tribulation that, that you're going through. You will not see what it was all for. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we need you. We cannot forget that God experienced things just like you and me. 
We forget that. We talked about Jesus and his walk on this earth from time to time. But what we often forget is that he went through some of the things that we go through in our life. And he went through things that we never will. That's the reason he robed himself in flesh to become the sacrifice that we needed to be saved. There was a reason, so we didn't have to go through some things. Jesus robed himself in flesh. He became part human for us. So what did he endure as a part human? Right? He was walking around. He was preaching and teaching from a young age. He was very knowledgeable at the word from a young age. He was uh, being looked down upon by these Pharisees and Sadducees, the ones who were supposed to know the word. He was being looked down upon because he was so smart and so wise for his age. So what did he get? What did he face? He faced ridicule. I guarantee he may have had a headache a dime or two. I mean, he was a human. He was a body just like us, right? Though he did not sin, I guarantee that he went through some of the things we did. He faced embarrassment. There was times that he wanted to go against his mother. Whenever she wanted him to turn the water into wine, he said, Woman, this isn't my time yet. But he does it anyway because he listens to his mom. <laughs> right? But God went through, Jesus went through things that we go through each and every day. I guarantee he went through joy. We know that he went through sadness. Why? Because Jesus wept when Lazarus died. We know that he went through all the emotions that we went through. But what else did he go through? Because that makes him just like us. That makes him, okay, now I can get on the level of Jesus. You know, he did create us in his image. So what did he endure for us that we don't have to? Well, there was that whole cross thing. There was that whole beatings and lashing, cat of nine tails, all that thing, big lashes in his back, scars that we won't ever have to endure because he said, I'm going to take it upon my back. I am going to be the ultimate sacrifice because at this point, before all of this, what were the wages of sin? They were death. Somebody had to pay that price so that we didn't have to. Because if that price was not paid, we would not be able, it, there would be no sacrifice for us. We wouldn't be able to come in and offer up a few calves, a few, uh, a few goats, he goats, she goats, all that stuff. We couldn't, man, could you imagine keeping that kind of cattle in your backyard? You had to offer up all those sacrifices. My yard's not very big. If I had to keep like all kinds of cattle back there, I'd have to be going to like the market and buying some. I need a, I need a clean calf today. I got to go to the altar. <laughs> it's just something. But it was Jesus going to the cross and taking all of this stuff for us so that we did not have to. Even though he experienced some of the things that we did, he experienced more than we ever could. But there was also a moment in his fleshly life that he wanted to give up. Say, he's just like me. Right? He's just like me. Luke 22 and 42 says, Father, say, he says, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He grew at a time to where he wanted to give up. Because in his fleshly side, in his human body, he was experiencing tremendous pain. He was experiencing stuff, like I said, we're never going to have to experience. 
we hope. We hope we never have to endure stuff like he had to because of our faith. But he endured beatings, lashings, people taking his clothes, people putting a crown of thorn on his head. He endured all of this stuff so that we wouldn't have to. And at one point in his life, he wanted to give up. But he doesn't say, take this cup from me and stop. Period. He says, but not my will, thy will. He's not worried about him now. He's not focusing on him. He's not wanting to just give up because he's had enough. He's wanting to continue on because if that's what God wants, that's what I want. If that's what you want, God, that's what I want. If you want me to continue to preach out to prison ministries, no matter if I have the finances or if I don't even have a means to get there, I'm going to. It doesn't matter what my bank account says, I'm going to. If you tell me to move to another city tomorrow of people I never even knew, I, I, I don't want to go. I don't want to leave my family. I don't want to leave my friends. But if it's your will, I'll go. That's the mentality that we have to have. That's the mentality that we have to be like Jesus. We cannot give up. So even though his flesh was tired and wanted to give up, he held on. He trusted more in the spirit than in the flesh. So this was just another example that God gave us to follow. We have many. If you read this word, if you read this book, there's many examples for you to follow. Many, many, many. If you would just read and look at it. This was just another example. We have to know that our flesh is weak and that we must hold on and trust in God's will. We have to know that. If you cannot admit that your flesh is weak and that you will fall to sin and temptation and you are weak in your sin, then the devil has already got you. If you cannot admit that you have weaknesses and you have flaws and you cannot avoid them, you've already fallen and the devil already has you. You have to believe that God is here and you have to trust in his way. Matthew 24 and 13 says, But he that endures unto the end, the same shall be saved. Psalms 30 and 5 says, For his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy cometh in the morning. If we give up during the weeping, if we stop when it is the hardest point that we've ever been to, if we just give up, we're, we finally shed a, so many tears that tears won't even fall anymore. If we give up in the weeping, we will never know the joy that is to come in the morning. If you stop in your lowest point, you will never reach the peak of the mountaintop. You will stay in that valley and it will never get better because you have given up. You have lost your trust in Jesus. James 5 and 11 says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord. That is the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. We count them happy which endure. Man, that's a tough word. To endure. Because what does it mean to endure? It means to continue to go through suffering. Continue to go through the rough parts in your life. Continue to go through the trials and the tribulation and you're just going to keep going on. You're just going to keep going on. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm going to keep going because I have to endure. Because I'm never going to get there if I stop right here. But I've got to keep going. I've got to keep reaching. I've got to keep searching because I'm never going to get to the end of the door. I'm never going to get to the light at the end of the tunnel if when it's really, really dark, I stop. When the light is so small that I, I don't even know it, I don't even know if it's there, and I stop because 
I don't even know if that's a real light. I don't even know if that's just a mirage at the end of the tunnel that, I, that my mind is just telling me that that's what I want to see. We have to endure. We have to keep chugging. Because when you stand still, that's when the devil's got you. That's when Satan's got you. When you stop in the moment, when you stop lifting your hands, when you stop praising the Lord, the devil's got you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We cannot stop in the middle of our trial, in the middle of our tribulation, in the middle of it. We cannot stop. We have to keep moving. So if you go ahead and stand with me, go ahead and close. Guys, maybe had enough, but this is awesome. I feel like this is God. If you got you guys have all seen me before, this is not me. This is not my typical. This is not how I usually operate, but this is how God is wanting to work tonight. This is what God is wanting to say tonight. There's a song that always comes to mind that came to mind when I actually started praying and when I started seeking what God would have me speak tonight there's a song that always came into my mind and some of you may have already thought of it when you heard my title and when you uh, just kind of heard where I was going with this but uh, brother Terry McGee always sang this as a special the song is hold on by 33 mile I want to read you the lyrics because I think this is where we are It says, I've been there a thousand times, felt the rain like a thousand knives, and it hurts. I know it hurts. I've been there like a fighter plane, trying to fly my way through a hurricane, and it's hard. I know it's hard. But don't be afraid. You'll make it through. Just call out to me, and I'll come running to you. It says, and hold on, hold on. When the current pulls you under and your heart beats like thunder, just give me your hand and hold on, hold on until the storm is over and I will be fighting for you. Just give me your hand and hold on. The second verse says, I give you hope, I give you faith. And if it's dark, I light the way for you, for you. By your side until the end. Until you're standing tall again. I'm here. I'll always be here. And if the tide sweeps you out to sea. When your strength is gone. And it's hard to believe. Hold on. This altar's open. God has called us to hold on until the end. I know that you're not the only person going through whatever it is you're going through in your life. I want you guys to take, take a minute right now. Everyone just kind of bow your head. Want all eyes closed. I just want you to think for a moment. That you're not the only one going through whatever it is that you're going through. You're not the only one with depression. You're not the only one with marriage problems. You're not the only one with financial issues. You're not the only one with sickness that doesn't seem to get any better. You're not the only one with pain. You're not the only one with fear. You're not the only one with doubt. But God is here, and he wants to help you. 
but he's not going to force you. He knows your situation. He knows what you're going through, but he's not going to force you to call out to him. But you have to cry out to him. You have to seek him. God cannot help you if you don't want him to. And I just want to tell somebody tonight, you can make it. And you will make it. But you can't do it alone. You have to believe that you can make it and that you will make it. But you can't do it alone. Someone just call on the name. Lift up your hands. Cry out to Him. This altar's open. I would that as many would would come forward. Because some people, some of you that are going through these situations don't want to face it alone. You don't want to come forward because you don't want everyone to think, well, well, maybe that's me. Maybe, maybe they'll know that I'm not perfect. Maybe they'll know that I've still got something going on in my life that, that I'm not Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.